Right, so yeah, I'm just going to sort of talk very briefly because I know we're, s we're overrunning, uh, which may be hard to believe given that we started 40 minutes late uh, and we haven't shown any sort of desire to catch that up. Um, <laughs> I, I don't really know how to sort of uh, explain that except that this is sort of a first attempt at an event like this. So uh, I'm going to talk very briefly, um, probably because my story is uh, incredibly unimpressive. And I feel like if I talk for too long, people will unmask me as uh, a complete fraud. So this is something that I've sort of taken to doing uh, in public speaking, is to be very short and then people forget you were ever talking and pres presume you're sort of serving drinks or something. Um, so I'm Paul Watson. Um, and my story, very briefly, um, is largely a tale of idiocy and stubbornness. Um, I... I kind of laugh when I hear other people talk about their stories tonight uh, because a lot of their stories touch on this idea of not being particularly good or at least working with people who aren't particularly good at football. Um, I was useless at football. I was uh, really, really bad. And it, it actually made me laugh to read Seth's book because he's very, um, he's very modest about his own abilities and he describes himself not having made it. I didn't make not having made it. I was, um, <laughs> I was really very bad at football. <laughs> Uh, but this didn't sink in sufficiently to stop me believing wholeheartedly that that was what I was going to do for a living until the age of 25. Um, usually it's about sort of nine or so, like something like that. But um, I basically got to the age of 25 and I was still slogging away, sort of going to non-league teams for pre-seasons. Uh, and coaches very gently sort of saying to me, this may not be the thing for you. Um, but I managed to master this pretty well uh, in that I was in incredibly good shape. I, I always made sure I was the player who was the fittest in the squad. So therefore, because of the English preseason and our love for running and running all over all the time, everywhere without a ball, uh, I would actually look like probably the best player in the squad for at least a week. Um, so for that week, I would live it up and I'd be sort of easily the best player on the park and then the football would come out and my status would drop quite, quite quickly. So eventually, um, I did play a few games for um, a team in the sixth division um, and uh, it so this, this sort of run culminated in me being uh, dropped from the bench um, in a game that we lost 7-1. Um, for gently asking if I could come on for the last four minutes um, by the player manager who had been sent <coughs> off for elbowing someone uh, during that game. So after that, I had a crisis point and made the only logical decision there was, which was to find the world's weakest football team, naturalise to play for them, and uh, become an international footballer. It's pretty simple when you think about it, really, because, you know, I wasn't going to play for England, um, even at that time. This was 2007 to eight, so, you know, it wasn't a great time for English football, but there was a talent pool, uh, and I was really not... I wasn't even in contention. So, um, basically, all of this led to the search that I think a lot of people have had this conversation. If I were from dot, 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 would I be able to play for them? Usually, it sort of ends with Andorra... Uh, and a hangover, and people say, no, well, we obviously couldn't play for Andorra. Uh, for me and my mate, it went a lot further, and we found the island of Pompeii in Micronesia, which is not bottom of the world rankings, it was bottom of the rankings for people who can't make it into the world rankings. Um, and obviously, Wikipedia, which, which knows all, told us they had never won a game, ever. They are regarded as the worst team in the world, and uh, they lost their last game 16-1 to Guam. Um, have to put a caveat in there that Guam are actually really quite good. Guam um, did tie with Iran 
recently as well, didn't they? Snow Nils. Yeah, well, Guam have got a great thing going in that it doesn't exist. So <laughs> Guam is, um, is technically a part of the USA, so they can pick anyone, uh, and no one's going to ask any questions because there is no Guam passport. So Guam did a great thing where they started um, just recruiting anyone who was American who had been to Guam, heard of Guam, or knew it wasn't a type of fruit. Uh, <laughs> So that gave them a squad that was strong enough to get quite a long way. Um, and in fact, I think you came up against Guam, didn't you? And uh, I mean, it, they've done very well, uh, but they are sort of seen as the powerhouse in Central Pacific. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to tell the whole story at this rate because it would take about seven and a half hours. But basically, that was what I did. I went to Micronesia. I went to this little island called Pompeii and found that... Um, there wasn't a football team. They'd given up on football after losing 16-1 to Guam. Um, so, like anyone would, I went about setting up a league. And um, this sort of process began with me laboriously marking out a pitch. And this is where a lot of what Stephen uh, said really rings true. I was sort of, there were about seven or eight really passionate footballers. And we, we said, let's mark out a pitch and we're going to hold the first ever Pompeii Premier League. It's going to be a, this massive event and everyone's going to love it. Um, so I was on my hands and knees marking out a pitch in paint that we borrowed from someone's mum. And it took about nine and a half hours through the middle of the day. It's in Micronesia, it's about 35, 36 degrees. Uh, and it, it, it's, it's really, really hot. It's too hot for painting anything, let alone a football pitch. So we painted this pitch. It was wiggly. Everything was off. But it was a football pitch. And we were incredibly proud, or I was. The guys with me were very gently sort of saying, Paul... Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure this is a good idea. Sure enough, Micronesia is also the third wettest place in the world, which is a fact that I had dismissed perhaps out of hand. Um, so it started to rain, and the pitch washed off. Uh, sadly, I had, by that point, become so sunburned that not only were people openly laughing at me, and this is a culture where people are incredibly polite, people were openly laughing at me. Other people were quite scared, um, and I was advised to go to hospital at which point the guy in the hospital um very gently described to me uh what was wrong with me and what it turned out to be was boils i had contracted um <laughs> boils which are not really like they used to be all the rage in sort of 19th century england um but they're very rare now so for about six or seven months i had uh boils um <laughs> rather than make me uh unpopular uh, in it actually really broke the ice with the players. It, this, this action of passion and idiocy, in fact, made people all over the island would come up to me and call me Boil Man, wi which, which was a real term of respect. Um, people, people really liked me after that, and actually the tournament was a real success. We, uh, we basically went around the island to community groups, went to the college, and most hilariously, we went to the Mormons who are a massive, massive presence in Pompeii is the Mormon church. And they basically, they are the only white guys driving around, uh, driving bikes around in sort of full suits, which is not, it's not a good idea on an island of that temperature. Um, chaffage alone can kill. So these guys would, would routinely sort of half-heartedly, while a sort of drive-by attempt at a conversion, sort of half-heartedly go past a group of Micronesians and say, Mormon! And sort of as they went past, and the, the Micronesians, no, no, no thanks, no thanks. And that was what they did. So I had great relish in knocking on the door of the Mormon hut. Uh, it was pretty early in the morning, actually. Just knocked on the door of the Mormon hut and um, sort of thanked them by appealing to them to join the football league. And I said, you know, have you ever considered playing football? 
Um, and the guy was in his underwear, so it was a bad moment. It was a really bad moment. But he said, uh, he said, no, no, we we don't play football. It's it's against the the Mormon code. Um, and he thought that would probably be the end of it. But actually, I turned up uh, about three times, and I I read quite a lot of Mormon texts, and there's nothing in there about it. And eventually, they did come and play with us. So that there were minor victories, but basically, long story short, uh, created a league, found a team took the team off the island to try and get this revenge victory on Guam. <laughs> failed. <laughs> uh, but, but failed respectably. Failed by losing 3-0, um, which is better than 16. Um, and, yeah, you know, we, we didn't make an exhibition of ourselves. So, um, yeah, there you go. I, in terms of sort of worst defeats, that was sort of the best defeat we could have had. Um, so I think I'll probably not go on for much longer because all that really happened after that was I accidentally ended up running a club in Mongolia for three years uh, and became the equivalent of Simon Cowell on Mongolian TV uh, <laughs> on a talent show TV show where I couldn't speak Mongolian and the producers couldn't speak English and it was minus 25 degrees. Uh, and actually, I, I still don't really like to think about that. So yeah, basically, th uh, that is as much of my story as I'm really can be bothered to tell and as much as you deserve to hear at this time of night when you probably got much better things to do but if anyone has any further questions we're going to do a sort of little Q&A with everybody because um, I'm kind of conscious of the fact that through no obvious reason we have overrun 